and I'm ready to jump in to this week's message. We're in week four of a series called The Chosen, and if you're not familiar with the TV series called The Chosen, I would encourage you to check out that series. We don't get anything by saying that. They didn't even ask us to promote it. I just think that so many people in our church enjoyed it from when it first came out. I was asked so many questions on, can I trust it? Is it accurate or not? And so two years ago, we did a series on The Chosen just so I could share that, hey, you could trust this. This wasn't quite in the Bible yet. It's plausible, and it could have happened because of this, this in this scripture, and we're doing something similar today because so many have been reporting just how much of a blessing it's been, not just to hear the message, not just to be in the worship, but then also almost like a form of homework or I want to go further, you can watch TV. Come on, it's the most bingeable version of of Jesus you can find. Um, Hey, if you love old school Christian productions, more power to you. I was in one of those camps that was like, can we get with the times. This is hard. This is painful to sit through. And I see some of you nodding. Okay. And if you love it, that's awesome. God still uses it. But when I watch The Chosen, I'm like, I can get with this. I can go ahead and hit next. I can keep watching this. And so I think you'll be blessed by it too. It's on Netflix. It's on Peacock. It's on um, a free app called The Chosen. You can download. And I would encourage you to follow along. And we're in season three, walking through each episode of season three. And so if you've got your Bible, go along with me, because that rhymes with season three, and we're going to be in Mark chapter three. Not really. I just wanted to keep the rhyme going. We're in Mark six. Forgive this ADD pastor. I'm sorry. I get, a, I get ambitious, and it just doesn't work sometimes. Mark <laughs> chapter six, in verses seven through 13 talks about something that I want to entitle this message, um, Sent Two by Two. Sent Two by Two. And it says, starting in verse 6, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He starts sending them out two by two, And he gives them his authority to do things they were never previously capable of doing before this time. And skipping forward to verse 12, it says, So the disciples obeyed, and they went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and to turn to God. This was the first time they were being the spokesperson. This was the first time they were being on the front lines. And it says, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. And so this is the first time Jesus transfers that I'm not always going to do it. As a follower, you're not always just going to follow you're also going to lead too. You're going to be change agents too. You're going to be difference makers too. Heaven's going to show up where you are too. And in order to prove that, go out. Go further from me. And I bet they were all just like, Jesus, you for real? Like, no sir, (laughs) as long as you're still breathing air. You do the heavy lifting. And Jesus was like, that's just it. I will still do the heavy lifting. And I will be with you, but I'm not limited by space and time. And so let's look at what it likely looked like. Our scripture doesn't say what happened while they were gone two by two. It says they shared all the testimonies after. The chosen gives us a fill in the blank of what it could look like. 
for disciples to go out two by two, just like for you and me. Father, 
which is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Come on. It's a powerful clip. It's a powerful clip of what likely happened when disciples were sent out two by two, nervous, wondering, will God show up? Can God use me? I feel inadequate. I don't feel like my education is complete. I don't think I've fully matured in my faith. I don't know if I'm as far along as the person next to me. And yet, I'm obeying God and stepping out and following Jesus and doing what he calls us to do. And I think that there's three takeaways from sending them out two by two that we need to have today that I want to share with you. The first of this is this, that everyone has a mission. Everyone has a mission. Jesus didn't just send the 12 out. He's sending you and I out today as well. In fact, when Jesus sent the 12 out, he, it, it, it mimics or it parallels or it's a foreshadow of what Jesus would say right before he ascended into heaven. After his death, his resurrection, his meeting with disciples again here on earth, and then before he ascended to heaven, he gave us a very similar mission that we call the Great Commission, that what Jesus sent them out out to do he's sending us out to do too tell your neighbor that means you too Oh, we didn't want to say that one, right? Because that takes personal ownership. And you're like, I, I like it when certain people do it. And I like it when the people in front of me do it. But I, I too am on a faith journey where God says, you have a mission too. Mark chapter 16, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. We have a mandate. We, we cannot just stay right here. We cannot just stay on our lazy boy. We cannot just stay in our living room. We cannot just stay in this room only. We are called to take it outside of this room. We're called to take it outside of this city. We're called to take it outside of this state, this nation, and even the globe. That's why we're very passionate about global missions because God doesn't suggest that we go. Jesus says to go. He commissions us to go. And he says, go share the good news to everyone. Listen to this. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be, say this word with me, saved. We got to say that again. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be, how good does it feel to be saved? But anyone who refuses to believe will be, say that word with me, condemned. Condemned. And if we care about people, how can we let them go to hell without a warning? If we care about people, we got to realize that I care too much to sit in my lazy boy. I care too much to stay into the confines of these rooms so that anyone who disagrees doesn't have to see me worship. I care too much to take my faith outside of private and go public. That's why we love baptism so much because you can make a private decision to follow Jesus, but the moment you get baptized, you're like, I'm going public with this. 
I care too much. There's people I love too much. And even if they reject me, it would be way better than for them to reject me than them to be rejected for all eternity. Not even realizing what was on the line. You know, I didn't give my life to Jesus until I was 20 years old. means I was a sophomore at LSU. But I remember sitting in high school at the same tables with people who passionately loved Jesus. And I remember when I got saved, it was bittersweet for me because I was like, oh my goodness, how good does it feel to be saved? How good does it feel to be forgiven? How good does it feel to know that I am right with God today? And why didn't a brother tell me sooner? You sat for two years at the same lunch table with me and didn't say jack about the fact that you go to the church, you got a relationship with Jesus, you read your Bible, you would pray for me. And I love it that you did it privately, and I love it that you did it personally, but help a brother out. Are you telling me that over those last two years, had I died, and I'd done enough stupid things to have killed myself, Had I died, no one told me that I would have spent an eternity separated from the God who loves me and gave his son for me. I need you to have boldness is what I thought. I need you to have courage. I need you to step up. I need you to open up and share. And it says in verse 17 that these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Do you believe you can do that? Come on, and, and, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and drink anything poisonous, and it won't hurt them. It doesn't say go home and try it. It just says that if you're in a jam, it'll happen. I've been around some people before who were in, um, what did they call that window? It's escaping me at the moment. The 1040 window, I, it's, maybe some of y'all know that better. Basically, mid-eastern mid, uh, mid uh, uh, um, globe where the least amount of people are reached for the kingdom of God, for Jesus. And they've told me stories before where they ended up on elevators where people would take their life. And yet, in a jam, they, they, God gave them the right words at the right time to say the right things that they did not deny their faith, yet they walked away living. And as I said in Hebrews 11, God has done miraculous things for some heroes of the faith, and yet some have lost their life for the faith. Either way, they were living their best life because they were on mission, not sitting the bench, not living cowardly, not sitting back going, oh, I'm so uh, inspired how other people do it. They were leaning into things, and they believed that they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. And that can be hard to believe, but to those who do believe, evidence of God's presence will arise. For those who would dare to believe, evidence of God's existence will show up. And verse 20 says, and confirms that, and the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Say, Lord, work through me. Lord, work through me. See, obedience to God's mission is not only rewarding, but it's fulfilling. 
You start realizing this is why I breathe air. This is my purpose in life. All these other things are good things, and I thought they were amazing things, and they can be assets to me, but they don't fulfill and hit home in my soul like when I walk in obedience with Jesus, when I dare greatly. And if you notice on that clip, do you notice how it changed the way the disciples viewed themselves, going in like, I'm not so sure, walking away like, who's next? prayed for one person that got out of the hospital bed who's next <laughs> all of a sudden hospital is having to send uh, uh, um, some sort of security around because you're going room to room who's next who's next I'm all up in here unofficial chaplain walking up in here come on <laughs> director of spiritual health is here he'll make sure you got the right access if you can get the access okay let me ask the same question to finish this point that the angel asked the disciples when Jesus ascended after giving them the Great Commission. Why are you standing right here staring up at the sky? In other words, it's awesome to stand here and worship, stare at the sky, and give God praise, and he's worthy of that. Don't stop right here. Don't let your feet get planted here. Why not go give him praise out there too, amen? Number two, the second takeaway of being sent two by two is risk is part of the journey. Risk is part of the journey. Uh, we were having a dream team meeting yesterday morning. We had an awesome breakfast together. We hung out. We played games. We had a good time. And one of the dream teamers um, uh, shared this, scripture, uh, this quote with me that I thought was awesome by C.T. Studd who said, Some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bells. But I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Come on, man. i got to say that again. Some want to live in near proximity to the sound of church or chapel, build, chapel bells, but I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. And if you're going to do that, you know it gets riskier and riskier the closer you get to the line. See, doubt is always with us, but it's your choice if faith is always with you too. Because every single one of us deals with doubt. We always have doubt with us. But Jesus gave us faith. And the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without, help me out, faith. And so we will all deal with doubt on a regular basis. The question is for those who believe, will we all have faith present too? It says, okay. I'm doubting some things. I'm not sure if he'll show up like he did last time. I'm a little Hello, bit scared. Everyone. I'm, I'm Bill, a little bit nervous. We're not ready for that God video yet. Go ahead and mute that. I'll cue you up in just a moment because we're getting really close. We're all going to doubt. They doubted the video would play, so they got it ready. But do we have the faith with us too? One commentary said on doubt Something I think you should lean into. It says, so far as man stands for anything and is productive or originated anything at all, his entire vital function may be said to deal with maybes. Maybes. Not a victory is gained, not a deed of faithfulness or courage is done, except upon a maybe. Not a service, not a sally of generosity, not a scientific exploration or experiment or textbook that may not be a mistake. It, only, it is only by risking our persons from one hour to another that we will live at all. 
So step into the maybes. In fact, there's a video I want to show you about one family in our church <laughs> who chose to risk faith by believing God for what he said in despite of what experts said. And they stepped into the maybe, and I want you to hear what God did in their lives. Watch this. Hello, everyone. I'm Bill, and I want to talk with you about God and the miracles he performed in my life. Many of you know our son, Colton. How many of you know that he almost died three times? The first time when his mother Paula's water broke, he went into severe distress. His cord became knotted, cutting off blood flow and oxygenation to his vital organs. He was delivered via an emergency C-section after being deprived of oxygen for greater than 20 minutes. Requiring full resuscitation as a result of this trauma, Colton has seizures, developmental disabilities, and other debilitating effects such as finding gross motor deficits. When he was eight and nine years old, he contracted the flu virus that attacked his bone marrow, not allowing for the production of blood cells. The miracle is not only the fact that Colton is alive, he thrives. He graduated from high school, attends college, is a Division I collegiate athlete at Salisbury University. He is strong in his faith and a great love of the Lord. Lift Church gives him a feeling of belonging. My miracle, I had a growth on my leg and about one centimeter in diameter. The growth was removed, biopsied, and found to be cancerous. I underwent surgery to cut away a wider area of about three and a half inches in diameter and about a four inch incision on my thigh to extract lymph nodes to determine if the cancer had spread. The surgeon removed the nodes. Cancer was found in two of the three. I came to the Easter experience and spoke with pastors Drew and Lauren about this before the service began. I was scheduled for a PET scan on Monday. This particular scan is designed to see where cancer has spread to. The scan was completed. The surgeon's nurse contacted me with the results. She advised me that there were no findings of cancer anywhere in my body. I had a follow-up appointment with the surgeon who confirmed the results of the scan. I'm definitely blessed with my current status and I believe this is nothing short of a miracle. Come on, y'all. Our God's still on the throne. Our God is still doing miracles. And we need to have the faith to believe because it's so easy to doubt. And, and, and Bill came in Easter morning when everybody else was excited and had their pretty outfits on. And come on, we get to try our sports jackets on or something like that. And, and we're trying to look fresh, make sure the hair is nice. He came in tanked. Because he had just gotten a cancer diagnosis that was confirmed because they, they took two or three other cells around it and two out of the three ended up cancerous. But in case you didn't catch that, when he went back for a check, I told him, bro... I know what I'm about to preach, and maybe God had me write this entire message on faith just for you. So I know it's going to be a struggle when the first note starts in music, and I know it's going to be a struggle when I get to point one, point two, and point three. I need you to lean into God today. I need you to trust Him today. Let's be audacious together. Let's be courageous together. Let's be out of our minds together, believing God can do the impossible, and let's see what's going to happen. That's easy to say after the fact. But if you've ever prayed with someone before, you could be praying faith and boldness and out of your mouth and on the other you're going, Jesus, let it work. <laughs> Lord God, please. You're going to look bad. 
and me too, but you, it's more about you than it is about me. Okay, it's about both of us. Okay. And you've thought that. You're praying with faith and your mind is doing this ping pong match where you just like, faith, doubt, faith, doubt, faith, doubt. And you just got to decide, I'm going to stand on his word. I'm going to take you at your word. You would use disciples to heal. You did healing. By your stripes there is healing. And so we leaned on that. I said, it's going to be a war. And he leaned into it. I talked to him afterward, and he said, I felt God's peace, even though this is scary out of my mind. At that time, he hadn't even told his son. And they, they walked out a little bit lighter, but then they went and they got the, the second opinion or the final conclusion. You know what they told him? We can't find a trace of cancer anywhere in your body. Now, look, they said this. The best we can figure is you only had three cancerous cells, and when we pulled out the first one and then three more, we must have got the three. Now, I don't know if it disappeared or if God said, hey, 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 doctor, let me take control of your hand. You don't want that cell. You want this cell right here. Come on. I don't know what happened. All I know is he's cancer-free today. Can we give God a shout of praise? Listen, risk is part of faith. It wouldn't be called faith if it wasn't a risk. I'm going to lean into trusting him. I'm going to lean on him that he's got someone for me. I'm going to lean in on his word still stands true today in 2023. I'm going to believe that God is good and faithful, that he has got a plan for me. And so we got to look at Jesus' leadership formula in the midst of risk when we look at Jesus sending them out two by two. If you lead someone, and if you have influence, by the way, you're a leader, you might want to follow his formula because here's Jesus' leadership formula. Number one he empowers his disciples. He tells his followers, what I got, I'm giving you too. Luke 9 verse 1 says, Jesus called his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority, which means, look at your neighbor, if they're following Jesus Christ, God's given them a little bit of power and authority too. And it might be dormant inside them that, like, I haven't exercised it before. I didn't know how far I could take it. I didn't know how I could trust, how much I could trust. Yet God says, I'm going to use you to do audacious, crazy things. Vipers will bite you and it won't affect you. It happened to Peter. I don't want it to happen to me. But should it? Amen, God. Come on. (laughs) Help me out. As mentioned, he empowers us for a mission too. Then the second thing he does is he instructs his disciples with specifics. I love that our Father loves us so much that he gives you specifics. Take this, don't take that. Don't bring money, eat at whoever accepts you. Do this, don't do that. He says, take nothing, wherever you go, stay in the same house. And God has given us a specific mission here too. Let me remind you the mission that God's given us here at Lift Church. That until everyone on the Delmarva Peninsula knows that they are lifted by Jesus to be lifters of Jesus, to lift others for Jesus, we will not quit. We will be all about it until we help everyone know you are lifted by Jesus to become a lifter of Jesus to lift others for Jesus. We say it more succinctly, he lifts, I lift, and we lift. And that's for everyone. 
that they first discovered God's in love with me and he's for me, not against me. He's got a big plan for me. That includes my friends who don't know him. God wants to lift them up too. And until everyone knows that, we have a mission. Then he tells them how to deal with discouragement. Oh, no, no, no. He doesn't say, I'll take all discouragement away. I'll take all the bad things away. No bad things will happen to you. It'll all be bliss. No, that's not what our God says. Our God says, I'm going to prepare you for how to deal with discouragement. I remember when I was in the business college of LSU, I got my uh, uh, management degree as my, my bachelor, my first degree, and I remember they tell and if you are in the hiring process, you should never tell a potential interviewee that all the blissful things, all the amazing things, come on, you're going to make this much money and it's going to be this much fun and it's going to be this mighty. You should show a real description of what's going to happen, highs and lows. That's what Jesus does too. He says, I ain't selling you on a false bill of goods. If you want to follow me, it's going to cost you your whole life. And disciples sometimes are like, don't say things like eat my flesh and drink my blood anymore. That's kind of heavy and that's gross and that goes all the way. And Jesus is like, if you don't like my teaching, you can walk too. Because I'm keeping it real. I'm keeping it 100. And I'm also glad to know that the one that I follow will give me heads up on how to deal with discouragement too. Come on, I love that he says, if the town refuses to welcome you, shake the dust. And if you do deal with discouragement, be lifted up by what Teddy Roosevelt's words once said. It, it is not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the one who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there, there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails daring greatly. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. I get so inspired when I hear that. If I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail on the pitch trying. If I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail swinging. Not sitting on the bench going, I don't know if I'll hit it or not. There's a, there's a risk of striking out. There's a risk of being no good at this. There's a risk of being made fun of. There's a risk of them telling me, no, I won't come to church. There's a risk of them saying, no, you can't pray for me. I can pray privately anyway. Come on. But there's an even greater risk that they'll say, yes, you're exactly what I was hoping for. I needed someone like you. I needed someone to lift up my faith. I needed someone who believed against all belief. I needed someone who believed in impossible things in the midst of an impossible uh, circumstance. There's way greater risk of God showing off and going, in you I've done even greater things. I've put it in you. You get to experience victory, not just me and my boy. You're my sons and daughters and you too get to experience this. Write this down. Jesus wants us to dare greatly to share in his victory. Jesus wants us to dare greatly to share in his victory. And I love 
what John Henry says. Fear not that your life will come to an end, but that it will never have a beginning. Let me say this about your spiritual life. Let me add that word. Fear not that your spiritual life will come to an end, but that it will never have a beginning. Spiritual life is not attending church. That's step one. Spiritual life is believing him and taking him at his word. Oh, should we sing it again? Uh, if you said it, I'll believe. And you're like, you look like you're at a honky-tonk. I know, I know. I don't know why that was the first thing that came out. I didn't do country line dances, okay? Forgive a brother. It did feel like I needed cowboy boots on. I understand that. Here's what I wrote down. Here's the point of everything. Go scared. Be bold. Trust God. Step into your destiny. Let me say it again. Go scared. Be bold. Trust God. Step into your destiny. Can I get somebody to say it with me? Go scared. Be bold. Trust God. Step into your destiny. I'm going to say it again. You with me. Go scared. Be bold. Trust God. Step into your destiny. Risk is part of the journey. And then finally, number three, relationships are huge. I was talking with Pastor Aaron as I was preparing for this, and I said, what did you take out of this chosen clip? And he said, here's what I took out. Praise God, Jesus sent them out two by two. Because if he had sent them out one by one, can you imagine how high the failure and cowardice rate would have been? You send me into a foreign town all by myself, it's like, hey, everybody over here in this section, I have something to say. Go Ravens. All right. <laughs> right? Can you imagine? you just be like, our God, he loves you. Come on. And that's a good start. But he loves you so much that he died for you. And that anyone who gives their whole life to him can find eternal life. But when you go two by two, I got my boy John right here with me. It's like, you go up here and you're like, John, we're going to do this today. We're going to do this. I think so. How about, he's like, how about you go first? I'll follow. I was thinking the same thing. How about you go first? I follow. Hey, how about I put my hand on your back and you go first? How about I go stand at the back of the room? I'm going to pray for you as you come to the front of the room and you just start talking. We're going to believe God shows up. Either way, I know this. As bad as it gets, I got a brother in the fire with me. I got a believer whose prayers make a powerful difference. And that's why you need a small group. That's why you need to go through the growth track and join our dream team. Because you need some people in your life that when you are on the cliffs of hell, when you're thinking about turning away, when you're thinking about stepping back, it is iron that sharpens iron. Do you have someone to keep you accountable in your life? Says, John, you've been acting a little funny lately. Tone's been off a little bit. Hadn't shown up to church in a while. It's not really about church attendance as much as where's your heart at. Now, I could be timidly going, help him. Or I could be iron sharpening iron, and he could be the same thing. Hey, that conversation over there, what's going on? You and your wife could? You get what I'm saying? Basically, I wrote it this way. If you got off course with Christ, do you have anyone who will love you enough to walk you away from hell's front porch? 
If you got off course with Christ, do you have anyone who will love you enough to walk you off of hell's front porch? Galatians 2.11 says, when Peter came to Antioch, Paul said, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. In other words, we were better together having conversations. And iron sharpens iron. And guess what? When I get scared, you got my back. And when you get scared, I got your back. Come on, we fighting this thing back to back. And therefore, we got no blind spots. Amen? And so thank God for the person he's paired you with. Thank God that he's got someone to pair you with that you don't even know yet. Thank God for the people in your small group. Thank God for being in church. That's why I want to encourage you if you're not in church and you can be here. You need to be in the building because there's something about being in a room full of people with faith that you just say, there's something about being in the room because it inspires sick or away, hey, we're, we're glad you're with us. But you need relationships. There's a few people who have texted me that they're watching online every single week from states far away. I want to tell you I'm so honored by that, but you've got to find people where you are to connect with because Jesus didn't send them out one by one. He sent them out two by two. Amen. Can I pray? Father, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Lord, I ask you to move on our lives, that you would help us to dare greatly, God, that you would help us to step into what you've called us to do, to go scared, be bold, trust God, step into our destiny. Father, for those of us who didn't realize we were on a mission and we posed it onto somebody else or we said that that's their job and not mine. Father, I pray that today you would convince us that, Father, you want to use us too. No one is left out of a chance to make an eternal difference in another person's life. And so, God, I thank you, whether it's one or whether it's a hundred thousand ones, God, you have commissioned us to make a difference. You've called us to reach. You've given us strength and authority. You've given us power from on high. You've given us a peace that surpasses all understanding. So, Father, help us take it from a receiving faith and turn it into a giving faith, too. And, Father, we're going to need courage and boldness to do it. So, Father, I pray you equip your people in this room and listening on the sound of my voice, either live or midweek, Father, that you would rise up in us a godly boldness and courage to do what only we can do with your help thank you that you make a difference and you show up and you empower and you strengthen and father i pray that we get in relationships godly relationships where we encourage each other and we spurn each other on to good works in jesus name and with every head still bowed and every eye still closed if you're in this place and you realize i haven't started a relationship with jesus i've done Christian things, I've done religious things, I've done good things I've tried to be a good person first of all let me say awesome and I'm very proud of you and I love that but Jesus was very clear good morals will not get you into heaven Jesus said even the person who tries to be good, no one is good, not even one you're like no, 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 I'm good but if we ran through the ten commandments we would find out very quickly We've all probably stolen something before, even if it was something small. We, we, we've all, many of us have blasphemed or used the Lord's name in vain. And many of us who say, well, at least I've never killed anybody. But Jesus said this, if you've even called someone stupid idiot, you've killed them. 
And all of us are like, dang. That's me too. I've only listed three of the Ten Commandments, and most of us would probably say I'm 0 for 3, and I thought I was a good person. Listen, what Jesus is saying is you need me, and I want to forgive you of your sins. And though you have erred, though you have made mistakes, though you have sinned, I come to willingly give my life, for no one takes it from me, but I give it up willingly so that anyone who has erred or sins will find everlasting, eternal life and forgiveness of sins if they call upon me. So today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you, but I don't want you to be embarrassed of saying, come on, I need to get right with God today. If that's you, would you just quickly throw your hand in the air so I know who I'm praying for? I see hands going up near and far. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're online and you're like, that's me, we have a host online right now who wants to connect with you. Just write in the chat, that's me too. I'm in. And come on, Live Church, I want you to pray out loud with everybody who raised their hand. And if you raised your hand, lead into this prayer with all that you got. Let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I've made many mistakes. I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I'm sorry for hurting you, sorry for the way I went, and I want to get back to you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, and when you died on that cross, you died to set me free and to give me a brand new start. So as I ask you to forgive me, I thank you that I'm forgiven, and I get to start over a brand new life, born again. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Come on, can we celebrate?